I'm Jack, your host, and this is the Right in the Feels podcast. Whether you're a guy trying to figure out your feels in this crazy, crazy world, or you're a woman trying to solve the puzzle of why men think the way they do, well, this show is for you. What's up, my friends? If you are not used to it by now, or if this is your first episode, I am your host, Jack that Asian guy that is ready and willing to talk about his feelings and emotions. Just a man trying to break through those barriers of men processing and expressing their emotions, normalizing it, and also bridge that gap for women to understand men better and for men to understand women. So welcome back to the Right in the Fields experience. I want to do something a little bit different with this episode. Thus far, I've released episodes on a variety of topics and brought on guests in for fun chat. Today, I want to keep it more casual. More cash. Once in a while, I want to release an episode about my life happenings. Give a little insight on what's happening in my life behind this mic. Because what's this podcast if it isn't about getting even more personal? Personal as in personal life. Also, I want to share thoughts of things that are happening in the world currently or touch on musings that I have been struggling with or having triumphs in. Just random musings spark through conversation or shower thoughts. This is Jack's journal entry number one, men and mindfulness. Let's get it going. As you may well know, I really try to release episodes weekly. So if you are a frequenter of this podcast, I did not release an episode last week. Why may you ask? Well, it was Christine's birthday about a week ago, July 25th to be exact. It's been a week-long celebration. She says it should be a month-long, a birthday month. No, make it a birthday year. Just a year of celebrating rolling into the next. And if you don't know who Christine is, she is my fabulous, lovely fiancé. I have had her on this podcast multiple times to talk about our relationship. Episodes 3, 7, and 16, if you want to listen to those. She's so fun to record with, always keeping me on my toes. Not just for when we record, but daily, like 24-7, 365 days a year. Honestly, if I could record almost every episode with her, I totally would. But I gotta go through her agent, our puppy Coco, who is very sassy and a hard-nosed negotiator. Like mother, like daughter. I kid, I kid. Do stay tuned because the episode after this one is a very illuminating one. She's coming back on to talk about our communication. We will talk about the frustrations of a couple's communication, why men and women in relationships struggle with communication, all our own very personal struggles with communicating in the past and currently still. It's never all rosy, especially if you have been in a relationship for nine years that we have been in. I cannot wait to record and release that episode. Back to Christine's birthday. We celebrated with what is absolutely her favorite thing in the whole wide world, and that's getting together with a group of friends for a bonfire at the beach. The funny story behind that is, I was initially trying to plan it as a surprise bonfire. Normally for her birthday, I try to plan a surprise because who doesn't like surprises on their birthday? For the most part, since Christine was an event planner way back when, then a producer for Wong Fu Productions, which is just another level of event planning, but instead for a short film or short series. 
it's really hard to pull surprises because firstly, she asks a million questions when she sniffs out any hints with that very perceptive mind of hers. Secondly, as a planner, she's so keen and aware of little details. And thirdly, she knows every single one of my mannerisms. So if there's something slightly amiss, she's on it. No mercy. With all that said, we've celebrated nine years of her birthday together. And I would say for the most part, I've been pretty successful with those surprises. Not this year though. As I said, I had tried to plan a surprise bonfire well in advance. But of course, she was also thinking of planning a bonfire. Thanks, but no thanks to my surprise. So sporadically leading up to her surprise, she would ask me about the bonfire she was hoping to plan. And I could not say a word. I would just nod and affirm, sure, that sounds like an idea. You do you. As her birthday got closer and closer, she was also beginning to finalize her plans. For about a week, I was grappling with just telling her, look, don't, don't plan your bonfire because I'm doing it already. Spoiling the surprise. But I held strong. This surprise needs to happen. We've been through too much COVID for a surprise not to happen. We've just been through too much. Of course, as I was holding on strong to the surprise, the next thing I know, I get a Facebook alert. Christine had created an event for her bonfire. Ah! Instantly, I got a couple of texts on my phone from our mutual friends asking me, how, how should we respond to her bonfire event? For a split moment, still wanting to hold firm on the surprise, I was thinking of telling them to say no to her bonfire, you know, rejecting her, bringing her to an all-time low, only enhancing my surprise. You know, you don't truly love somebody unless you treat them with ever so slight emotional abuse only to elevate them with a surprise, bringing them to new emotional heights. Again, I kid, I kid. Alas, instead, I ran downstairs to tell her, you gotta cancel your event because this bonfire is already gonna happen for your birthday. 2021, Christine's beach bonfire bash bonanza birthday surprise mission not accomplished. Speaking of having all the surprises spoiled for Christine's birthday this year, I also got her a super nice electro kettle, but to follow the theme of 2021 surprise mission spoiled, she sent me a link to a teapot she wanted asking what color I think we should get. I just had to tell her, don't look, don't buy anything for the rest of July. Also really reflecting of all, all the different gifts I've gotten her over the span of nine years we've been together, I laughed like how practical the gifts have gotten. Year nine was a fancy electric kettle, but year one was a bunny. <laughs> I got her a bunny. Not sure what I was thinking at the time, but one thing for sure, that was a surprise that stunned her completely. No spoilers happened. From bunny to electric kettle, man, we are showing our age now. When household appliances as gifts get you genuinely excited, you know you old, yo. With surprises though, anybody else out there struggle with surprising friends, family, or significant others? One of the hardest things when planning a group surprise is getting everybody to keep the secret. There's always that one friend, the one friend who lets it slip. Like they'll be hanging out and he or she will say, can't wait to see you next week for your birthday, facepalm. So don't be that one friend, my friends. Okay, let's get back to the bonfire. The non-surprise, the non-surprise bonfire. 
the bonfire itself was a lot of fun. Not that the pandemic is over, but after a year and a half of not really socializing, especially in a big group setting, it was nice to see people who we have not seen in quite some time. Definitely missed having that group energy, enjoying nature at the same time. You know, just to have the sand between your toes, roasting corn, hot dogs and marshmallows around the bonfire. That's summer love for ya. Then the rest of the week was celebrating with family and also took Christine out to a nice fancier dinner, which again was a breath of fresh air. We are both homebodies and definitely not the type of couple that go to fancy nice restaurants often or if at all really. But you gotta live a little, pinkies up kind of living. Funny enough, the talk of these failed surprises led Christine and I to have a conversation on a car ride recently. It was about why a lot of guys struggle with being considerate and thoughtful, just being at a different level of thoughtfulness compared to women. This came up because we were visiting a friend of ours who just recently had a baby. Christine was thinking of the nice gifts we could get them, and it made me think about why I don't have that extra thought process when it comes to that level of thoughtfulness. When we were walking around the store to pick out something, I just thought, yeah, any of this is fine. But Christine wanted to be very intentional with the gifts she was going to give our friends. My mind just goes to, maybe I'll just pick up food for them. That'll be good, right? Or this should be fine. We don't need to overthink or overcomplicate. So many dudes think on that baseline level, me included, and it drives their partners and relationships kind of crazy. Like, why can't he be more thoughtful? Don't get me wrong. I've come a long way to when I was younger. Being in my first relationship, I was just not really good at being the most thoughtful boyfriend or thoughtful. I just stuck with what I saw on TV. You get roses and chocolates. In fact, in time, it became such a pain to think about what I want to get for her birthday and obviously dreaded Valentine's Day where you are measured against all other boyfriends because I just felt a lot of pressure and didn't know where to start. I realized that a lot of that stemmed from not really paying attention to details, not being perceptive on a more daily basis of somebody else which is a mind exercise in what other people in my life, like my girlfriend, my sister, and my mom, the hints, the breadcrumbs are all there because they show interest or make comments of the things they like. I liken it to studying last minute for a test. Test meaning thoughtfulness in a gift, and usually the result, the gift, will reflect in the grade you get on the test. Not a very good grade, hence not a very good gift. Men, instead of studying for the test consistently over time, reading through the material, putting detailed thought into learning the subject, <clears throat> your partner, they rush to do it the night before, pulling a stressful all-nighter. Okay, just get her the expensive purse, throw money at the situation. I'm good. Maybe a better analogy is like a book report. If you present your book report through the Cliff Notes version, there is no depth to your presentation. The same goes for thoughtfulness one puts into anything. If you only put thoughtfulness into a birthday gift last minute, it'll be reflected very apparently and obviously. That's why the saying, it's the thought that counts, exists. Women are always impressed by the thought that shows in a gift and less about the cost. I've been and many men have been studying last minute when it comes to that thoughtfulness. I realize much of that is environmental and conditioned. Growing up with a lot of guy friends, we didn't put that same thoughtfulness with each other when it came to a special occasions or just in general. Or maybe we had different kinds of love language. Our thoughtfulness is in loyalty. Men love loyalty. Being down to just to hang out. 
where girls seem to put much more thought language into gifts and interactions and substance of conversations. The focus on the emotional connection far more directly. Oh yes, conversations. Emotional conversations is also revealing. Growing up, I did not have many of those in-depth emotional and vulnerable conversations, which is also a catalyst in understanding somebody better, to be thoughtful of what makes them tick, translating to maybe a better gift. But more overall, that mind muscle of thinking in a different dimension. As I've grown older and been more engaged, learning a lot of lessons the hard way through arguments in relationships past or present, especially with my sister and with my mom, I became more and more honest with myself that there are levels to that thoughtfulness mind muscle. I was operating at a very low level, and to work on this muscle is to feel uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. Men who go to the gym to work out their muscles, the results they yield are seen through a visual way, so it feels much more tangible. It also shows with how much work you put in. The more work, the more visual the results you can get. Like, bro, that guy is jacked. You see what I did there? Jacked journal entry. So buff. I'm impressed, making it feel like it's very worth it. Men also think about this through their financial pursuits. But to apply that thoughtful mind muscle is much harder because the results don't appear as tangible or obvious. This brings me back to the introspection in my conversation with Christine on our way to our friends who just had a baby. Exercising that mindful muscle is not natural for many men. I exhibited it in my past relationships. I also saw in my relationship with my sister, which I instantly began to feel a little guilty about. She's so good at thinking of me and what I need. I think a lot of men, when they do exercise that mindfulness, the thoughtfulness, they try to reserve that energy to their significant other. But even so, it can be faulty because to strengthen your mind in anything is great to have a single motivation as your spark. But to truly grow is to develop inner motivation that extends beyond that spark. You can do things for people, but the true growth will always be about intrinsic desire. So with this example, guys will exercise that muscle when it comes to anniversaries, birthdays, Christmas, Valentine's Day. That's at most four days in a whole year where they are in a way forced to be overtly thoughtful. But for the rest, that muscle remains dormant. So yes, it's nice if a guy has to really push themselves to think of their girlfriend and what might make them feel special four times a year. But there is another 361 days of the year. How are men training their mindful muscle the other days? Are they in an environment or a friend group that encourages that, or is their friend group just using the status quo? Also, do they truly see the value in training, extending their growth in this aspect, which comes with growing pains? Here's the secret tip. A true deep love is not achieved through the highs and lows of gifts or experiences, even because there is no doubt those are unforgettable. But it's the everyday, consistent thought you give somebody that is another dimension of love because it's a daily choice to think of somebody else. Exercising the mind muscle of thoughtfulness beyond self. The act of sacrifice is something we glorify in love because it directly shows us what we're giving up for love, and then, in a way, giving value to that love, a worth. Love is worth more than sacrifice. You don't need to give up anything for love. Love is just awareness of things beyond self. For myself, one of the biggest single motivations was seeing my parents' marriage and wanting to expand the dimensions or levels of my mind. My dad is not thoughtful at all, and I see how thoughtful my mom is. I don't remember the last time he remembered my mom's birthday or even mine. To this day, even though they have lived separately for over 20 years, with his infidelity and the broken trust. 
My mom still maintains her care and love and sends things to Taiwan from America that he can't get there. Not once over the years has he done the same for her. It makes me sad and I could see remnants of that in my past, especially in my first relationship. I really left a lot of that on the shoulders of my first girlfriend. I distinctly remember the many arguments we would have, especially when finally it culminated to the fact she wanted me to plan a trip for once instead of her doing all the work. I did it and it went horrible because I never lent myself to do that. The journey in the first relationship was littered with a lot of potholes, like for many other people. For the first time in an intimate setting outside of my family, I was getting direct feedback of how I was thinking of and for somebody else. With tons of mistakes made, I reflected back on that failed relationship, which at the end of the day, I never think of any relationship as a failure because it's all a learning experience that I wanted to change the process of my thought for the sake of my future dating relationships and most of all, my self-development. I can choose to think like this, the default state that I have absorbed through my environment or my examples, or I can choose to make the uncomfortable choices. This leads me to Christine. Sitting in that car, I realize how far I have come in working my mindfulness and thoughtfulness muscle, especially with, let's say, planning a surprise, planning a trip, or planning to buy a gift. Even though, yes, the surprise ended up not working out, I had grown to understand what truly she enjoys and get the essence of her being, her aura, her love language. This just doesn't stop at Christine. It has slowly extended to my family. The guilt I feel for my sister being more thoughtful than me. I have shifted to thinking of her, what her love language is, and how I can do things for her, and of course, my mom. Then, beyond family, the close circle of friends I have, the guy friends, especially my high school ones. I want to change the way I operate in, with them versus using a path of least resistance mentality that many guys do. Like, this will be fine. Why not extend myself to make these close friends happier? by sharing my thoughtfulness. This is the basis of changing the culture of your environment to show by example and effective communication. To end this first journal entry, men and mindfulness, one of the questions that I ask myself all the time while I'm on this journey of trying to be more mindful and reflect on where I was and where I am now, the improvements, the frustrations along the way, the frustrations I have with myself until this day is what's the measure? It's not just why men are the way they are, but what are the practical steps to be more mindful? As in my example from earlier, if you want to equate working the mindfulness muscle, like lifting weights, where to grow your muscles, you want structure and a workout schedule, like legs day, back day, arms day. Is there a routine that men or just people can practice to strengthen the muscle? I say yes, and that blueprint is different for everybody. Like the act of putting on your shoes to go to the gym, that's half the battle. You already won half the battle. The act of choosing to be aware and the desire for growth is already half the battle. The rest of the battle is showing up every day in your imperfection. Not to achieve perfection, but growth in this dimension. It will never be about achieving. And if you feel so, you are becoming lost already because it's not about doing it to achieve somebody's affection or validation. Mindfulness or enlightenment, better called, it's the space of choosing awareness. What's awareness? It's the removal of ego. A simple example is when you argue with your partner, family, or friends. It's completely chaotic. Half the time, you are trying to be understood. The other half, you are bewildered at the emotions coming at you and also how to process those emotions. Awareness is the space between wanting to respond 
and react to the trigger and actually listening and intaking what the other person is saying to what you are even thinking internally. To be aware of all three simultaneously is the understanding of internal projection, your traumas, external projections, another person's trauma, and finally, the space of calmness in the storm of the two projections. It's the suspension of ego based in pride or insecurity as a defense mechanism. It's the practice of experiencing life, absorbing life, not through the prism of pain, whether it's yours or somebody else's. That's what being connected to nature is. Nature is not biased. Nature is natural. Enjoying a breeze, smelling a flower is awareness because you are in the moment, not worried about what was, what is, and what will be. The space you explore is awareness of being in the moment outside chaos and pain. The existence of nature was here before us and will be here well after us. Its evolution and growth is what truly is in each of us. So as my answer seemingly becomes more weird and ambiguous, to work on the mindfulness muscle is to share your growth as is why this podcast exists and why you are listening to it right now. You are already growing and helping my growth. Picking up a book that expands your mind, participating in a conversation that makes you think a little differently, making a choice to help another person is all mindfulness. One act or thought is never too small. Keep up the good fight, my friends, especially for men and mindfulness. I've come a hell of a long way and only a testament that if this Asian guy can be talking about his feelings, releasing podcast journal entries, then anything is possible. That's it. The end of the first Jack journal entry. Thank you for tuning in. I want to give a special shout out to my friend, the designer of the episode artwork for this podcast, Susie Chang. I recently was able to finally grab lunch with her and had a very eye-opening discussion with her about the struggles of artists in the industry. Stuff hopefully that can be discussed here one day. She has been so selfless with all the help and suggestions she has given me for the artistic expression for right in the feels. As always, I hope this episode finds you well. If you deem me worthy, I would very much appreciate if you could share this podcast, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Pod or iTunes. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Much love.